0: Uh, Psalm 23, one of the most famous psalms, uh, actually the most famous psalm. The reason we know that is even those who might not be literate in Scripture know know Psalm 23, know at least of it, can probably even tell you a couple of words. There's art that depicts Psalm 23. Beautiful music, as we've heard today, it is an incredibly beautiful psalm. Maybe you memorized it. You've recited it after communion, or you memorized it in Sunday school, or you've said it at a funeral. Such are the comforting words of Psalm 23 that I invite you now to listen for the word of God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul my whole life long. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Spirit of the living God, speak to us. Spirit of the living God, speak through us. Spirit of the living God, speak in spite of us. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in whose name we pray. Amen. I mentioned that Psalm 23 is the most famous psalm, but it's also the most meaningful to me for a number of reasons, one of which is that my wife and I chose a musical version of Psalm 23 by John Foreman, titled House of God Forever as the wedding song that we would dance to. And it wasn't because we were super Christians. It was because as we embarked on the journey, mystery, and the adventure of marriage, we wanted the Lord as our shepherd. We needed the Lord as our shepherd. But what does that mean? Today, I want to look at worship and at the heart of worship, obedience as being central to following the shepherd. See, we all follow someone or something. We all live by some mantra that we've told ourselves or have heard off repeated, we all, in a sense, worship something. That is, we find something worth following. We find worth in something that we keep returning to. In this season, as commencement addresses have ended for universities and high schools, I'm reminded of one of the greatest commencement addresses I have ever read. This is by David Foster Wallace. It's entitled, This is Water. If you ever get a chance, it's one of the best, as I said, I ever read. And he writes this, now it's important to note, he would likely be best described as agnostic or agnostic atheist, and this is what he told students graduating that day and the staff and teachers who supported them on the journey. There is no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship and the compelling reason for maybe choosing some sort of God or spiritual type thing. If you worship money and things. If they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough, never feel you have enough. Worship your body and beauty, and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally grieve you. Worship power. You will end up feeling weak and afraid, and you will need ever more power over others to numb you to your own fear. Worship your intellect. Being seen as smart, you will end up feeling a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. But the insidious thing about these forms of worship is that they're unconscious. They are default settings. They're the kind of worship you just gradually slip into day after day, and the so-called real world will not discourage you from operating on your default settings. We all worship someone or something. And so the question for us is, what are we worshiping? What are we following? What is at the center Of our lives now I would hope for Christians we would say of course our Lord our Savior our friend and brother Jesus of course it is Jesus who in the Gospel of John chapter 10 says I am the good shepherd I give my life for my sheep and so my question for us today is is the Lord your shepherd I know that seems simple enough, and you might quickly respond, of course. But what are the marks of a sheep following the Good Shepherd? You see, Psalm 23 occurs in the context of the Judean wilderness. It's not a place where there is a lot of green pastures. In fact, There are only two months in the entire year where there are plentiful pastures. This means that the sheep must rely fully on the shepherd for their food, especially in the dry season, and for water to quench their their thirst, that is green pastures and beside still waters. The right paths are also those paths in the Judean wilderness that aren't as treacherous the ones that don't lead to the predators, that don't allow you to slip and fall in that great mountainous wilderness. You must fully rely on and trust the shepherd. Your life depends on it. I wonder, when was the last time we truly felt that our lives depended on the Lord as our shepherd? When was the last time when we were offering advice to a friend or thinking about our own careers or making an investment or shifting something about our lives, starting or ending a friendship or relationship, whatever it might be? When was the last time that we really sought the guidance of the Good Shepherd? There's this great story told by a Christian preacher and author, he talks about an experience he had at a Christian camp in Colorado. He recalls a Bible teacher giving an illustration that changed his life. She said, if the distance between the earth and the sun, 92 million miles, was reduced to the thickness of a sheet of paper, then the distance between the Earth and the nearest star would be a stack of paper 70 feet high. And the diameter of the galaxy would be a stack of paper 310, get this, miles high. 310 miles high. That's how big the galaxy is, she said, and yet the galaxy is nothing but a speck of dust virtually, in the whole universe. And the Bible says Jesus Christ holds this universe together with the word of his power, his pinky, as it were. And then she asked the question that changed his life. Is this the kind of person you ask into your life to be your assistant? the creator of the universe, the maker of all things visible and invisible, Jesus Christ in whom we move and have our being. Is this an assistant in your life? That is, when you need something here and there, they can help. Or are they your shepherd? Is he your shepherd? See, that's the difference. An assistant, when you might need something of an assistance, You might call on he or she, but a shepherd you rely on completely and fully because your life depends on it is the Lord your shepherd. Now how can we tell? What are are the signs of being a good sheep following the shepherd? Well we look at Scripture. The authoritative witness, we dwell on Scripture, we study Scripture together and in our devotionals. We pray through and with and over Scripture. This Psalm 23, in fact, this week I challenge you to use Psalm 23, put it in your words perhaps, and put it as a personal prayer to God, Lord, you are my shepherd. But as we look to scriptures, we see a couple of things that it tells us. It says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That is following the sheep. See, it's not as David Foster Wallace was saying, seeking it in money and power and things, even even really good things. Career and family and friends, these are all good things. But if they become ultimate, if they become the center of our lives, what we worship and follow, we will never actually have the fullness of the desires of our heart that God has given us. Scripture says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him and He will act. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. You see, in all of our planning, in all of our doing, are we committing it to the good shepherd? That is the mark of a sheep. But what else might we look at? If we look at Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, are we practicing patience and self-control, faithfulness? Are we practicing, above all, love? We look at the fruit of the Spirit and we wonder, Are we being changed by the gospel? When something offensive comes up for us, as we've seen in our culture, people quickly taking offense, are we quick to be offended and angry? Or are we, as Scripture says, slow to anger and quick to listen and quick to forgive? Or in the words of St. Francis, Do we seek to understand rather than to be understood? Do we seek to listen rather than to be listened to? Do we show compassion? These are marks of the sheep following the good shepherd. Are our lives actually being changed? I always laugh when I share this with friends because I think it is true you can be as some might describe not the best person and still be a Christian. Or more humorously, you can you can be a jerk and a Christian at the same time, believe it or not. But the test is are you the same jerk you've always been? Or are you being changed? Are you more patient? Are you kinder? Are you more open? Are you quick to forgive and to listen? What are the ways in which you are actually being changed? I shared with you that this was our wedding song, a version of Psalm 23. And the reason was, of course, because we already knew something about each other. Meredith is a deep feeler and she would often be upset by something I said or had done. And I am someone who really needs to understand what I'm saying sorry for before I say it. And so Meredith would say, you should apologize. And I'd say, for what? What did I do? All of you are laughing because you know that just makes it worse. (laughs) And finally, after she's argued her way and logically shown me what I did wrong, I finally go, oh, okay, I, I see that. Yeah, I'm sorry. And then it's not worth as much. I had to learn that maybe if I said sorry a little earlier, even if I didn't understand, maybe, maybe I could say sorry, not perhaps because I understood what I had said or done, but because she had been hurt by something. And someone I love, I don't want to see hurt, and so I'm sorry. I'm sorry to see you hurt. And I'm sorry that it's something I've done because that's never, of course, my intention. And then I had to learn that even if after clarifying she was 90% wrong about what I said or did, oh no, I I didn't mean it that way. There was still 10% I could take away and learn from to become a better person, a better listener, more patient, more compassionate. This is something we can all practice, friends, and see in our own lives. Are we being changed? I will end on this note. How can we be changed? We can't do it in our own strength and by our own effort, but we must go to the Good Shepherd. I think of one of the art scenes that I talked about that famously depict Psalm 23. And if you remember, it's a shepherd that's carrying a little lamb holding that lamb because of course, sheep can be weak and vulnerable as I've shared in the past. We too are vulnerable, weak. We too can be afraid. We can wonder where those green pastures are exactly When will we be beside the still waters because it feels like we're in the dark valley in the shadow of death. You see, friends, in Psalm 23, it is the same shepherd that leads them to the green pastures and beside the still waters and through the valley of the shadow of death. It is Jesus who has promised through the cross to be with us and lead us through the valley of the shadow of death for he himself has tasted it and knows our pain and sorrow and so when you are feeling crushed by the criticism in your life when you are feeling diminished by the cancer that has appeared when you are experiencing the challenges and the change of circumstances that we all face we can look to the shepherd and trust that surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Because there is a promise here in Psalm 23, 26 words before this line and 26 words after this line, there is the center of this Hebrew poem. That Hebrew line is you with me. We translate it, of course, to make sense, you are with me, but at the center in Hebrew of this poem is you with me, and that is why we can count on the green pastures and the still waters, but also the goodness and mercy that follows us even through the valley, even in the valley of the shadow of death. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us And the Hebrew word there is pursue, will pursue us all the days of our lives. You see, Jesus is pursuing us even now. In Jesus Christ, God has drawn near. The shepherd has come to us to pick us up. The flock who need strength and attention, who need healing and a way forward. The good shepherd...